Amen. Amen. About two, three years ago, I was in a, I was doing a course with a friend of mine. Details of which are not important, but uh, she she shared with me something that um, was bothering her, and she said, "You know, I look at my house, and I know something is wrong, but I can't quite." placed my finger on it so I said what's wrong she said I see my husband walk in and try to set things in order and I know something's wrong but I don't know what it is so she asked could you please come to my house come to my house and just look at it and tell me what's wrong so I said it can't be that bad she said no I know averagely many ladies would know what to do when it comes to setting up a house but I know something is wrong. So I, we arrange and I go to visit her. She lived in South Sea. And uh, as soon as I walked into the house, yes, something was terribly wrong. The houses in South Sea have been designed in such a way that it should be obvious that this space should be the sitting or living area. And then this space is the dining but she has set it up in such a way that the beautiful seats, really nice seats, are in what is the dining area. And then now the dining table, yes, it's elegant. Yes, it has eight seats. But it's in the largest part of the room. So when you walk in, yes, there's a dining. Yes, there's a living room. But something is wrong. So the whole time she's cleaning this house she's even bought nice decorative pieces like this one but she knows something is wrong and she can't set her finger on it so that afternoon we decided let's rearrange i told her you know what i think i know the problem you have put and she had beautiful seats you know these imported sofa sets not the ones that uh, Korea has done for you somewhere in a dungeon. They're really beautiful seats. She has elegant furniture, you know? Very nice furniture. But the setup in the sitting room is off. So that afternoon, we carry things around. And she's not told her husband she's going to rearrange the room. So we carry the heavy seats. We move things around. And she's like, oh my God. It actually looks nice. You would think that she's a lady. She should know these things, right? You would think that she's a lady, she should. This should be obvious to her, but it wasn't that obvious. But she did know at least that something was wrong. Before we were done setting up the house, her husband walks in, and the first thing he says is, Wow, something looks nice. So, it's not that we have introduced new furniture. We haven't. It's not that we have introduced a new item. Maybe we did a, a, a piece or two, but there were not as many to make such a difference. It was just the order of the way things were done. Turn with me to Second Samuel, chapter fifteen. Second Samuel, chapter fifteen, verse one to thirty-one. Allow me to read from my Bible, which is M-E-V, because the letters are larger. You can see it better from here. Um, 
Second Samuel chapter 15 verse 1 to 31. It's a bit long, but um, kindly follow. After this, Absalom acquired for himself a chariot. Remember, up until this point, David's household had gone through a turmoil. Um, Absalom's sister Tamar had been raped by Amnon, the brother. Kind of a stepbrother, raping a, a stepsister. And Absalom had taken matters in his own hands and killed his brother. David is grieved by the whole chaos in, ha in his house. But then after some time, by the hand of Joab, Absalom is returned home. David, in, in chapter 15, David forgives Absalom for the death of his son. Now, chapter 15, that's what it means by after this. When you ask what is after this, after, after what? That's what I'm describing. So, after this, Absalom acquired for himself a chariot, horses, and 50 men to run before him. Verse 2, Absalom would go early and stand beside the way into the gate. When a man who had a, a dispute concerning which he had come to the king for a judgment approached, Absalom would call to him and say, Which city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from one of the, the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claim is good and right. But there is no one here to hear you on behalf of the king. Verse 4, Absalom would continue. If, you, if I were appointed a judge in the land, then every man who had a claim would come and I would give him justice. When a man would approach to bow before him, he would reach out, embrace him and kiss him. Absalom acted this way towards Israel towards every Israelite, sorry, who came for judgment to the king. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. After 40 years, Absalom said to the king, Please allow me to go fulfill my vow that I made to the Lord in Hebron. For your servant made a vow when he was dwelling in Gesha in Aram, saying, I indeed... If, I, if indeed the Lord will bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom set, sent scouts throughout the tribe of Israel, saying, When you hear the sound of the horn, say Absalom has become king in Hebron. Now two hundred men went with him from Jerusalem, invited and unsuspecting. They did not know anything. Verse 12. Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, the advisor of David from the city of Gilo, where he was offering the sacrifices. Now the conspiracy was strong. For the number of people with Absalom was continuing to grow. Verse 13. A messenger came to David and said, The hearts of the men of Israel are following Abraham, Absalom. David said to all of his servants who were with him in Jerusalem, Get up. We must flee. There will be no escape from Absalom for us. Hurry up and leave. He will soon reach us and bring disaster upon us, striking the city with the edge of the sword. 
The king's servants, verse 15, say to the king, Whatever our lord the king decides, we are your servants. So king, the king left with his entire house after him. But he left behind ten women, concubines, to watch over the house. Verse 17. So the king left with all of the people after him. And they came to a stop at the father's house. Now all of the servants passed on beside him. All of the Kerithites, all of the Pelethites, and all of the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gaza, passed on before him. Let's jump to verse 21. Itiah answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as I leave my lord the king, only in the place where my lord the king is, whether in death or life, there alone will I be. Itiah was another man who David was asking to stay behind, but he refused. Verse 22. So David said to Itiah, Go on, pass by. So the Ittites and the Gittite passed by along with all the men and with all the children and elderly who were with him. The whole land wept with a loud voice as all the people passed by. Now the king was crossing over the brook of Kidron and all of the people were crossing over the the road to the wilderness. Verse 24, and also Zadok. And all of the livers with him were carrying the ark of the covenant of God. They set down the ark of God and Abiathar came up until all the people had finished passing through the city. The king said to Zadok, take the ark of God back to the city. If I have found favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and allow me to to, to see both it and its resting place. But if he should say now, I take no delight in you, here I am. May he do with me what seems good to him. The king said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace with your two sons, your son Ahimaaz and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. I will wait at the fords of the wilderness until word from you comes to inform me. So Zadok and Abiathar returned the ark of God to Jerusalem. They remained there. David went up the ascent of the Mount Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and he went barefoot. Then all the people who were with him each covered their heads and wept. Weeping as they went, verse 31. Now it was reported to David that Ahithophel was conspiring with, Abia, with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, make the advice of Ahithophel a folly. A long text. But it paints a picture of a kingdom that has gone wrong. A son has been restored so to speak forgiven but now he threatens the authority of his father so much so that the father the great warrior the one who says who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dares defy the armies of the Lord is fleeing from his own son the one we have called a mighty warrior the one who has spoken about taking down uh, lions and bears in the wilderness 
is fleeing from his own son. Why is David fleeing from his own son? The chapters prior show us that Absalom was the kind of man who after hearing about the rape of his sister simmered in hatred for two years. The Bible describes him as a guy who would smile with him, exchange pleasantries with his brother only to kill him before his siblings. So when David decides to flee from Absalom, it's not unfounded. It's not just that he's fleeing for his own life, but he's protecting the city from the bloodshed that would happen if this young man dared set hands on him. A house in turmoil. David's house, we could always say, when you ask young people, who is your favorite guy in the Bible? We talk about David. When you ask the worship leaders, me included, who is your favorite guy? We talk about David. When you read the Psalms, he's the kind of guy you're like, man, this guy was deep. But his house is falling apart. If you read Second Samuel, he will tell you that probably his leadership was not as good when it came to household matters my topic today is let the king return let the king return many of our households are existing yes they are running but something is off like Gladys's house where the dining is is where the living room should be at what point did things get turned around at what point did the king in this house lose his place we have men in this congregation and this is very sensitive I actually shudder trying to speak about this but allow me to we have men and families in this place where the king in that home is no longer king yes he exists yes we see him driving Okay, he comes in in the morning, rather in the evening, sits down, eats. He's probably served if he's lucky. Serves himself. And I'm not throwing stones at anyone. The chief culprit in all this, I'm pointing at myself. But there is a blessing in laying the right order in everything. And that's what I want to talk about. So that the king will return in every household. When we look at the story of Jezebel and, uh, and uh, Ahab, Jezebel is running the house, isn't she? She is the queen, but there is a king who should be running the house, but he's not. Or maybe he looks like he is. But look at the character of Ahab. Ah Ahab is the kind of man who, because Naboth will not give him what he wants, he will sulk. Put his thumb in the mouth and start weeping. And yet he carries a crown that could set things in order. For Jezebel to thrive, there had to be an Ahab. There has to be a kind of man who is not taking responsibility in the house. There has to be a kind of man who is not... Who is not keen on what he is supposed to do. And when it comes to power, there's never a vacuum. 
There's never a vacuum when it comes to power. You let it go, someone else will take it. If you're the head of the house, be the head of the house. Head of the house doesn't necessarily mean that you earn more money. You offer leadership. In our generation, things have shifted. Sometimes it's the wife who brings in more money than the man. There was a time where we thought the one who brings the money, more money, is the one who runs the home. But allow me to set it straight today. If you are considering your household as one unit, it doesn't matter where the money is coming from. It shouldn't. Can I challenge the concept that his money, my money? There's no unity in there. The Bible calls for a blessing where there's unity. We cry out to God, Lord, restore. Lord, uh, uh, bless our resources as a household. But we have some secret uh, things, accounts. If you go to bridal showers, and I'm not outing us ladies, I'm just talking. You go to bridal showers, they tell you, my sister, you have to have that account. Let me tell you, me in my house. And just because everyone is testifying of having a secret account, you think it makes it right. When Absalom takes over power, Ahithophel, an advisor to David, is also taken along with them without knowing. My Bible says that a time comes when people are being led they are following Absalom, but they don't know what has been happening. Unaware, unsuspecting, they followed him. Ahithophel is busy doing his sacrifice. And he's told by Absalom, come. And he goes, why? Because this is the king's son. He has given a mirage of leadership, a kind of authority, but he's not it. Because he's the king's son, everyone trusts him. Because you are the wife to so and so, your household is okay. Because you have a form of godliness, but not the power of, we trust that your choice is right. Can we set the king back in his place today? We run this church... Do I go there? Can I speak freely? I shudder at what I'm about to say. We run this church like we are the ones who died on the cross. We carry his name. We are Christians. We carry his name over our households. It's a Christian family. But is the Christ we are talking about really in that house? Was the conspiracy already done over time? Very slowly. Very slowly. Forty years, the Bible says, Absalom weaved this thing. Forty years, he embraced them. He hugged them. To say, there is no one to hear your case. Let me do it for you. Forty years he embraced them. And the Bible says he stole the hearts of the people. By the time David is getting to hear about it, this thing has been going on for how long? 
He wears the crown, but the power has been leaking all along. He sits on the throne, but the throne, the legs have been shrinking. Until now, he's sitting on the ground, and someone else is sitting on it. Absalom has swayed the entire city. When we look at the story of David now leaving, David is not leaving alone. There are people like Itire, I don't know how to pronounce his name, who decide if the king goes, so do I go. There are people who decide I will not be left behind because they know that this is the true king. Then who is Absalom to the rest? Who is he? And how come everyone is following him? How did this happen? Since when did we have a coup in church? Since when did we have a coup in your house? It doesn't happen like very fast, like 1979 in Uganda, where we had a coup. Was it seven? I was terrible at years. Don't blame me. There was a coup in Uganda at some point. <laughs> I'm sure there was one here as well. Did it happen in one day? 82. Thank you, Dad. Did it happen in one day? No. It grows very slowly. It coils around the household very slowly. You begin to make decisions without consulting. You begin to set things aside. Yeah, it's not too bad. See, I was here. Where is he? He's not here. He's not here to judge your case. You receive that salary and you say this bonus. No one will know about it. Who knows? There could be a rainy, a rainy day. Justified. Yes. We justify our rebellion. There's no time. Let's cut down on the time. There's no time. Can we shift back to the one whose name is on the door? If the Lord be God over your household, let him be God. If the Lord be king over this church, let him be king. Our finances, I am so blessed that that happened today, are just a reflection of how many people of the household of David have left. The kingdom is running, yes, but the ministry The one for whom all this is set up. The need is not really being met. The need is not really being met. Why are we paying rent if we can't evangelize? With love. I say this with love. It is for souls that he died. It is for souls that he died. Why are we paying rent if there's no prayer ministry going on here? 
Let's just say we, we can't evangelize, but at least we can pray for Mama Moi as she goes out today. We have Tuesday prayers, and so many of us are guilty of never really showing up. We have the needy among us, amongst us, the ones to whom his heart really bled. And not, many people are not reaching out to. The king is now out of his place. The same king who brought victory to Israel is now going out with a head covered and weeping. And who else can have his head uncovered if the king's head is covered? So the people along with him do what? Cover their heads and weep along with him. But the challenge is... Do you remember the time... There was a sermon preached here. I think it was in May 2017. Or was it this year? I don't remember. But I would like to recommend the sermon Thriving in Authority. Check it out in the podcasts. And there is an importance of authority in a home. There is a cover that can only come by the right person sitting on the throne. Many times we judge the quality of this kingship best on the vessel. We look at the guy, his timekeeping is horrible, his hygiene is horrible. Suddenly, the man who used to be tall, dark, and handsome, his weaknesses are amplified before you as a wife. And you're like, "Uh uh-uh, I must take control. Genesis describes Eve, when, when, when judgment was given to Eve, when she sinned, the Bible talks about, and your desire shall be for him. Most of us misinterpret that, that text as if the woman would be so in love with the husband. But it's talking about the power that lies with the man now. Because that statement comes after the Lord has said, now you will be answerable to him. And your desire shall be for him. It's no secret. Being in a submissive position will always make you look at the power up there and think I can do a better job don't look at me righteously I know you know what I'm talking about it always happens when the weaknesses of the one ahead of you no he's not doing too good a job And in a bid to be more excellent, you step in away from your cover. He may not be the most qualified husband. He may not be even eloquent in being romantic. He may be so terrible in picking colors. He decides to buy you a gift. It's a yellow shoe. He decides to choose a house. It is like, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle the men. I know the place that we are talking about. But let us set things straight. It is not the vessel that qualifies the throne. It is the one who gives the power. If God has set him as head over your house, and I'm not just speaking about households that have a man in the home. We have homes where it's only the lady in the home, but she still carries the authority. You are a young man, you are a young woman, and you can see, mom doesn't know these things. She can't even remember the Wi-Fi password. You know, like, you, you find yourself tempted to overstep authority, which was at the heart of Eve's temptation with, with, with the, the serpent. No, you'll not surely die. Your eyes shall be open. Do we blame the ones who are overstepping the authority? They have their place of judgment. But then we also have the king who won't take responsibility. The one who has created this power vacuum and not protected his household or his spouse from this temptation. We have men who have fallen out of line in adultery. Many times we blame the man. But where did we go around as a bride? Where did we go wrong? This thing did not just fall on the guy like this. It kept coming. And the poison sips and sips until it gets to the heart. Then suddenly the most elegant, beautiful woman that you married, there are too many pimples on her face. What kind of dressing is this? And that same skirt you used to like. Ladies, have you ever worn a dress that you, you thought your husband liked and then there's this comment thrown and you're like, Chief, I've been wearing this dress for a long time and you've never said anything. What's happening? What's going wrong? The things that influence our decision making, that influence the way we operate, are not really tangible. In the book of Daniel, as we shared in the miracle service, that power and authority lies with who? With God. If God has set anyone on top, he can also set him down. Amen? So, should we be fighting the crown that is ahead of us or praying to the one that gives it power to adjust it just to make us more comfortable underneath? Have you taken time to pray for the head over your household, whether it's the lady or the man or an auntie under whom the Lord has blessed you? A day has to come when you acknowledge that the real power lies with God. And if God says that this one will lead you across, whether he stammers like Moses, he will get you to the other side. Our job is to pray for him. Miriam challenges Moses' authority by saying, does God only speak through who? Moses. Do you remember that? 
That's good. Kwani, he only talks to Moses at a CC. Hmm? <laughs> we are only flesh and blood. And it's a temptation that we get every day. But let not your king be deposed. Because you'll be exposed to a king like Absalom. The one who simmers for years before he strikes. The one who has no connection with God. The one who has no connection with the covenant of Abraham. Because David being king is no mistake. The one who hasn't been anointed to sit over Israel. Some of us are suffering from a spiritual leprosy because we have walked away from authority. Like Miriam, we are scratching and itching because we have walked away by probably the words we say, the attitude we carry. Let the Lord be king. If he is king of this house, let him be king. It's very good to have programs. It's very good to have a way of doing things. But let the, the, the throne mean something in whatever we do. If Jesus, you have lifted up your hand and said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Lord meaning he owns you like a landlord. Savior meaning he died for you. Then you are qualified in saying my life is not my own. Israel, if you continue reading our story, Israel suffered. Israel was unstable after David left the throne. His household was a mess. His household was a mess. So God is not unaware of the, the problems in the house. He is a man who doesn't lead us in prayer. We don't even have a family altar for crying out loud. At the priest of the home. Hmm? And you're more fiery, Mam Gazoni. When you set those knees down, heaven trembles. But heaven will only respond to you. When you're in order. There are walls you can't push beyond the crown over your head. There are walls you can't shift. There are battles. Do you remember the sons of Skiva? They are trying to do what? To do a deliverance session. Hmm? In the name of Jesus. The one who Paul and are preaching. Get out. The demons say. Paul. We know. Yeah? Peter, we know. Jesus, even Jesus, the one you're talking about, we know. But who are you? Who are you? There are battles, there's a leprosy you're suffering because you're out of line. There are resources that have left your household, like the people who left with, uh, with uh, David, because he has left the throne. He may be a drunk. He may be the man who stole another man's wife. Let that, be, that judgment be done with God. Let that judgment be done with God. He may be a leader in the workplace who 
steals money from the company. But in that place, he carries authority over you. What's the right posture when you have a king that's unstable? It's very easy to submit to someone who is, you know, look at the guy. Hmm? Rent he pays on time. He, he knows what he's supposed to do. But when the Lord has set you over and has given Anabel, do you remember Abel, Abigail's wife, husband? Yeah, neighbor? He was a mess. The wisdom and why we admire Abigail is because of what she did, even though she was under a dis I don't even know how to. An absurd king, so to speak. She has given herself the duty of righting his wrongs. If you've ever wondered why we are called helpers, this is why. Every weakness you see in your spouse, and I'm speaking to myself, big or small, the Lord has wired you to counter that. But some of us have allowed a conspiracy to happen in our own house. It's not an outsider who is breaking up David's kingdom. It's his son. It's not like an in-law came at the gate, you know, and now he started talking to my husband about me. Now my husband doesn't like me. No. The Bible talks about a foolish woman tearing down her own house with what? Her own hands. Yes, we have enemies coming from the outside. Yes, we have financial issues as an economy. But in your house, have we set it right? Today I'm appealing to us, let the king return. If you carry his name, I am a Christian, let the king return. If we carry his name here, as a congregation. How many decisions are we making without really consulting the Lord? When we look at Second Samuel chapter 18, a war breaks out. The mighty men of, of uh, David now have decided, no, we must bring back the king. We must bring back the king. So they go out to war. They go out to war to take on Absalom and his men. But David, <laughs> David the king who has been dethroned, so to speak, gives a uh, 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 he's, he's still very weak he should be the one renting with rage listen to what he says in verse 4 verse 4, verse 4 to 5 at this point just to, give you, to bring you up to speed at this point the men have said no don't go with us so that if we die you don't die along with us stay in a more strategic place okay let us go and this is what David says I will do whatever seems best to you. So the king stood beside the gate while all the men marched out in units of hundreds and thousands. Verse 5. 
the king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Aitia. I'll give this guy another name. Do you ever rewrite the Bible as you read? No, I do that. Be gentle with the young man, Absalom, for my sake. These men are marching out to set his house in order, but he's pitiful as a king. Be what? Be gentle with him. Be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. Like, don't kill him, you know, like maybe just chapa him a bit. There are days you're praying to God and saying, Lord, set this house in order. And the Lord says, I am coming. And you say, Lord, be gentle with my husband. Don't, 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 don't do too much. I know you're a very harsh God. So you stand at the door of judgment. God wants to deal with your child. Set them straight. You're like, oh yeah, but you know they're children. They can be stupid sometimes. And the rebellion is growing. It is so fat in your house. There's no room for you. You can't say anything. The child looks at you and you change your mind. You say, no, it's okay. When, uh, there was a time when you're the one who looks at the child and the child is set straight. But now there's a look he gives you. And you're like, ah, you know... Times have changed. Your authority is leaking as a husband. You've not sat her down and said, My dear, like it or not, I have the power to speak over your life. I may not be good at prayer, but I can speak over your life. I may not understand this word, Women are more inclined to studying the word. And you know. There were many women following Jesus. If you read the Bible. Yeah. But that doesn't make you ever bigger. The neck. My, my, my sister always reminds me. The neck has never been bigger than the head. Ever. No matter how wide it is. It can never be the head. Yeah. Doris gets it. It can never be. The head. Your shoulder can never be the head. It will take wisdom to maximize what you need out of the throne. A tantrum will not get you what you want. Disobedience, the same father that you're crying out to, will still be punished. There are laws in the system that just work themselves out. God doesn't have to say anything. You're outside authority. And you wonder why the project is not working. It's coming from the secret account. Laws are happening. I don't know why this chama is not running. But I can't share with my husband about it. Why? How will I say where I got the money for subscription? The same goes with the men. The Bible says that submit one to another. If your wife cries out to heaven and says, Lord, hear me. That business deal you think is bringing in millions. The same one who holds authority can turn it around. Woe unto you, gentlemen, if your wife prays against you before the throne. The Bible says your prayers will not be heard. So I'm not just 
beating at the ladies. I'm beating at everyone. But I am telling you, there is a blessing in letting the king return. After the king returns, if you continue in Second uh, Samuel now, chapter 19. Second Samuel chapter 19. Verse 9. Look at the chaos that's happening in Israel now. Throughout the tribes of Israel, the people were, were all arguing with each other. Saying the king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He is the one who rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. But now he has fled the country because of Absalom. Continue. And Absalom, who we anointed to rule over us, has died in battle. So why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? Sanity is restoring to the household. David sent his message to Zadok. Remember earlier, David had sent Zadok ahead. Go, go be with them. Let the presence of God still be with them. Let the ark of God still be with them. Yes, I have left with all my household. Yes, I have left with... The, the, you see the, the Gittites and Amnites, the ones we are reading about, the people that he's living with, these are conquests of war. These are people who have come under David after war. People he has won, but he left with them. So the priest wanted to live with him, but he said, no, no, no. Stay with them because it was good for Israel that the presence of God remains with them. If he had left with that with him altogether, that would have been more disastrous. But he charges Zadok saying that just go. When a time comes when you think it is suitable for me to return, send word. Now there's chaos in the camp. And David has heard that there's a lot of arguing. So he sends a message to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. Ask the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to his palace? So there's chaos in the household, but the leadership at the top doesn't seem to know the right thing to do. How much prayer is going on between couples? Just between husband and wife. Let's, let's not even bring the children. You are the elders of a household, isn't it? In a way or two. How much prayer is happening between the two of you? How much order are we calling on to say, eh? Like a wife saying, you know, whatever you decide, I'm behind you. Even if it's, it's, not, it's not ideal, but it will have to do. Why? Because it's the power you're looking for. God will back this guy up because he has set him over the household. God will protect this man's word because he has set him over the household. Mr. President Uhuru Kenyatta may not be the most qualified guy. But if he sneezes, all of us here catch a flu. That's the way it is. In your household, there is a head. In this 
church, there is a head, there's a pastor over this house. He has his weaknesses. But until we acknowledge that the authority lies with this one, until we set ourselves underneath, we are going to walk around with spiritual leprosy. We are going to give as much as we can, but it won't shift as long as pastor is crying to God and saying, they don't listen to me. The oil cannot flow from Aaron's head down to the garment. If the head moves this way, if you're this shoulder, you're in trouble. It will flow this way. The other half will not have any oil. Ask the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to the palace? Since what is being said throughout Israel has reached the king in, at his quarters. Continue. You are my brothers, my own flesh and blood. So why should you be the last to bring back the king? Continue. And say to Amasa, are you not my own flesh and blood? May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if from now on you are not the commander of my, of the, of my army in place of Joab. So David is trying to speak sense into them and saying, you know the house is falling apart because I'm not there. I may not be the most elegant leader, but it will be wise for you to put me back on the throne. He won over the heart of the men of Judah as though they were one man. They sent word to the king, Return, you and all your men. Verse 15. Then the king returned and went as far as Jordan. Now the men of Judah had come to Gilgal, Gilgal, to Gilgal, the one in town. Eh? Told you I rewrite these things. <laughs> yeah, he's coming from Gilgal. Now the men of Judah had come to Gilgal to go out and meet with the king and bring him across Jordan. And the story goes on. Slowly by slowly, he's making his way back to the throne. Transformation in your household will not happen in a day. It will not happen in a day. It will take time. He will make his way very slowly. Very slowly, but surely. Why do we need the king to return? We need the king to return because until the king returns, Solomon, who comes with a great blessing, was not going to be king. Under the reign of Solomon, we have a lot of riches. Under the reign of Solomon, we have a lot of wisdom running through the government of Israel at the time. But this whole deposing of the king happened before Solomon can be declared king. There are Solomons in your life. There are destinies you're trying to get, but you will not get them outside authority. You will not get them outside authority. You will not get them by whispering and, 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 and heaving over the people who God has put a cover over you. It's like poking holes in your own umbrella 
and saying, why is it raining on me and I'm carrying an umbrella? And you keep poking. Instead of covering his nakedness like the sons of Noah. The sons of Noah recognize that our father is embarrassing himself. But the difference between the brothers was what they did with that information. One laughed at him and actually went and called other people. We gossip about one another. We look at each other's weaknesses and we think, because you're there and I'm here, we're not connected. The Bible calls us one body. <laughs> one body. If we are going down, we are all going down. It's only a matter of time before the rot sets in to where you are. We should be crying and weeping with the king. We should be crying and weeping with the king. We should be crying and praying that the glory of the throne grows. That our king's neck will become steady to carry that crown. Because where there is unity, there he commands a blessing. For the Solomon in your life to be actualized, get back the king. Get back the king. Get back the king. Let the king return. Let the king return. Let the king return. There are better ways to run your home. Let the king return. Don't put holes in your armor. We need grace. We need grace. We need grace to allow this to happen. We need grace for submission. We need grace. We need healing. Many of us are out of line. Many of us take for granted the authority that God has given over us. Instead of being Abigail, we become shame. Abigail was trying to patch up the shortcomings of her husband. The husband didn't even know that she had stayed the anger of David because David was determined to kill him. To the fathers in this house, for Jezebel to thrive, there has to be an Ahab. What is it that you're doing that is allowing the rebellion in your household to thrive? What is it that we are doing that is setting the, the line of authority out of place? There is a king that's above all of them. His name is Jesus. Let the Lord Jesus be king. Let the Lord Jesus be king. Let the Lord Jesus be king.
let the Lord Jesus be king. If there be that thing that we have done to edge him out, to edge him out, to despise him, to set him on edge, to embarrass him, to put holes in our own armor, to overlook what he has said, The household blessing will not flow unless we go back under cover. Under the right cover. Let us take time and pray. Let the men pray for wisdom. Let the king return to you as the leader of the household. Set him back. Be leading not because you are the man in the house. Be leading because you are submitted to the Lord Jesus. The king of kings. And by him you will get power and authority to trample on the serpents and scorpions that seek to set your house out of order. By him you will get wisdom to lead the household.